I'd like to just do something a wee bit different today. Um, Kathy had highlighted to me that this Global Day of Prayer was happening today in Pentecost. And um, the, what they're asking churches to do is to, um, is to join in a prayer that's been written for all the churches. And, um, and we're going to put it up on the screen. It's entitled A Prayer for the World. And I'd just like you to join me in this. How we're going to do this is... I'm going to read the first section through of each part. Mum will just show you the first part. <coughs> I'll read this first paragraph through. And then there's a part for the congregation to respond. And we'll all just say that together. And then congregation, then there's another, there's another six paragraphs or so. But let's bear with it. It'll take about five minutes to do. But I believe these are the sort of things we need to join in. It's powerful when God's church unites in prayer, isn't it? Yeah. Um, prayers for the nation. We're spending some time over the weekend with some men there in Paisley praying for the nation. It's a good thing to do when uh, brethren unite and pray and the Lord hears and answers those things. So let's join in in prayer with these things now. (coughs) Almighty God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, together with believers all over the world, we gather today to glorify your name. You are the creator of heaven and earth. There is no one like you holy and righteous in all your ways. We submit to your authority as the king of the universe. We pray with one voice to enthrone you in our hearts and to honour you before the world. Lord God, you alone are worthy of our praise and adoration. Our Father in heaven, thank you for loving the world so greatly. You gave your only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be reconciled to you. We are grateful to call you Father and to be called your children. Nothing can separate us from your love. Thank you, Father, for adopting us into your family because of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Lord Jesus Christ, you alone are worthy to open the scrolls of history, for you were slain and have redeemed us to the Father by your blood. We confess that you are the head of the church. And Lord over all heaven and earth. May people from every tribe and language become your followers. So that your blessing brings transformation among all peoples. Let your kingdom be established in every nation of the world. So that governments will rule with righteousness and justice. And may your name be great from the rising of the sun to its setting. Jesus Christ, you are the saviour of the world and the Lord of all. Father of mercy and grace, we acknowledge that we have sinned and that our world is gripped by the power of sin. Our hearts are grieved by injustice, hatred and violence. We are shamed by oppression, racism and bloodshed in our land. We mourn all loss of life in murder, war and terrorism. Our homes are broken and our churches are divided by rebellion and pride. Our lives are polluted by selfishness, greed, idolatry and sexual sin. We have grieved your heart and brought shame to your name. Have mercy on us as we repent with all our hearts. God of mercy, forgive our sins. Pour out your grace and heal our land. Spirit of the living God, apart from you we can do nothing. Transform your church into the image of Jesus Christ. Release your power and bring healing to the sick. Freedom to the oppressed and comfort to those who mourn. Pour your love into our hearts and fill us with compassion. To answer the call of the homeless and the hungry and to enfold orphans, widows and the elderly into your care. 
Give us wisdom and insight for the complex problems we face today. Help us to use the resources of the earth for the well-being of all. Holy Spirit, we need your comfort and guidance to transform our hearts. Lord Jesus Christ, because you were dead but are now risen, and the Father has given you a name above all names, you will defeat all powers of evil. Tear down strongholds and ideologies that resist the knowledge of God. Remove the veil of darkness that covers the peoples. Restrain the evil that promotes violence and death. Bring deliverance from demonic oppression. Break the hold of slavery, tyranny and disease. Fill us with courage to preach your word fearlessly and to intercede for the lost faithfully. Almighty God, deliver us from evil. King of glory, come and finish your work in our cities, our peoples and our nations. We lift our voices in unison with believers from Africa and Asia, from the Middle East and Europe, from North and South America, and from Australia, and the Pacific Islands. Together we cry, lift up your heads, O you gates, be lifted up ancient doors, so that the King of Glory may come in. Praise your name. As your deeds increase throughout the earth, and as your blessings abound to all the nations, they will seek you asking, who is this King of Glory? Together we will answer, He is the Lord Almighty. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Come, fill the earth with your glory. As the waters cover the sea, the Spirit and the Bride say, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Blessed be your name. Father God, we praise your name. All for Jesus. Father, we ask you to take this offering and use it for the building of your kingdom. And uh, as we come to your word now, we pray, Lord God, you would speak to us today. We don't want to hear anything that's not of you, Lord. So we just pray in Jesus' name that you would speak by the power of your Holy Spirit. Transform our lives, renew our hearts. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you love us intensely. And that you've done everything, everything required to bring us to yourself. We just pray in Jesus' name your spirit would flow through your word today. And bring honour to you and draw people to yourself. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. I was really impacted by that prayer there. Just joining with people around about the world and joining together in prayer. It's awesome. God's doing great things. He's doing marvellous things. And sometimes we think these things written in the book can't happen nowadays. We're going to look at a passage here this morning. And I want you just to imagine just for a moment that you're in the shoes of some of those disciples there. As they come up to Pentecost. And here's the, here's the views of one of the men who was in the situation there. It's the festival of Pentecost, also called the festival of first harvest, a festival of thanksgiving for the harvested crops. It's been 50 days since Jesus died, the one we all relied on, learned from and loved. Then he appeared to us, risen from the dead, alive. At first we felt fear and disbelief, but then we realised it was true. I had gone back fishing at the time. I had failed the Lord, denying him three times. My heart was broken, but when I saw Jesus again, I jumped out of the boat and I swam to the shore where he was. We shared breakfast together, and then the Lord asked me if I loved him. The memories of my failure came rushing back, but I could see in Jesus' eyes that he loved me. He said, feed my sheep. 
Shortly after this, on another occasion, when Jesus was talking with us, he said we would receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Then Jesus ascended into heaven, right before our eyes. We were shocked and stood in awe. What were we going to do next? That was ten days ago. It's the festival of Pentecost. But it's not the same without Jesus here. You know, just imagine the pain there with these guys. Three years with our Lord and Saviour. They loved him and he loved them. And they saw him do miraculous things, didn't they? They saw him heal the sick and raise the dead. They saw Jesus who loved them unconditionally. He went up to them and called, like Peter, a man who was a fisherman. And he called them because he loved them. And here, even that was Peter there speaking, in my own words there, how he must have felt. He went back fishing, but the Lord came for him. And he rose from the dead, and he loved them, and he restored them. And uh, these guys, you know, they were with Jesus, they loved him. But you know, Jesus ascended to heaven and he'd appeared risen from the dead. They're all rejoicing. Imagine what it must have felt like. They must have been so happy, restored to be with the Lord. But then all of a sudden, he ascends to heaven and he gives this power. He gives this uh, statement, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But I'm sure they didn't understand what that actually meant. They loved their Lord though. They believed he was the Messiah. They knew who he was. They knew he was raised from the death. They had all the faith, but where was he gone? But then we come into Acts chapter 2. And if you want to just uh, turn to that passage and just keep it open. Keep your Bible open at Acts chapter 2 in the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible you could get one from the back if you want. So we see the Holy Spirit. For those of you who maybe don't know... Um, the Holy Spirit is a, is a part of the Godhead. We have God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. And uh, here was the coming of the Holy Spirit to minister into the lives of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. After Jesus completed the work in Calvary and paid the price for our sins, he ascended to heaven, and the scriptures say he's above all authority in heaven and earth, and that's all because of the blood of Jesus, you know. The things that he did for us on the cross brought about our victory and connect, gave us the opportunity to connect with God again. And through faith, we have access to this Holy Spirit. So what happens when God's Spirit moves in? What happened in this situation here in, in, in Pentecost? Well, first of all, the Holy Spirit created an interest. If you have a look at chapter 2, we'll just read the first uh, four verses there. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave this ability. At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. Wow, it's quite a dramatic entrance there by the Holy Spirit. You see, first of all, in verse 2 there, there's a violent wind shaking the place that they're in. And then in verse 3, you see tongues of fire. And uh, verse 4 
you see evidence of them speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. These were amazing signs. Imagine what it must have been like if you were there, you're in that small group of believers, you're praying, you're waiting on the Lord. All of a sudden, the place shakes with violent wind. Tongues of fire appear. And you start speaking in other unknown languages. Also notice there in Acts 2 verse 5, there were people who, whom God was already working in. There was folks observing what was going on. Who God was already working on. Look at verse 5. At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. So we see these were God-fearing people. These were devout Jews and they were there for this festival of Pentecost. So the Holy Spirit came at a time, do you see this? It was an opportunity to let people see, to create an interest. And that's what happened. They were amazed. Verse 7. These people are from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are. Pantheans, Medes, Alamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. Wonderful, isn't it? People from all areas, different countries, all uniting in there. And here comes the Holy Spirit. To speak to them in their own languages that they understand. Isn't that wonderful? You know, God translates the message into something that we can understand. He doesn't make it complicated. He just makes it easy. So whenever people come to him through the Holy Spirit, he speaks, creates an interest. Speaks in the language they can understand. Second point here is the Holy Spirit raised up a preacher. Acts chapter 2, verse 14 to 36 is the section we'll be looking at now. And here comes Peter. And that man, we were just getting into his shoes there. The man who denied the Lord three times. The man who was very, very passionate about his Lord. He loved the Lord. You can see that in Scripture. But he's a wee bit gung-ho. You know, he's one of those guys that, like a lot of us guys, probably speak before we think. And uh, act before we think. And he was just probably a, a typical guy in that, that respect. But he loved the Lord. And uh, he wanted to serve him. But he denied him. And as I said earlier on, um, he returned to fishing. But Jesus came, had breakfast with him, restored him and said, feed my sheep. And here comes the power. So who stands up? Peter. Then Peter stepped forward with the eleven other apostles and shouted to the crowd listen carefully all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem make no mistake about this these people are not drunk as some of you are assuming nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that no what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel in the last days God says I will pour out my spirit upon all people your sons and daughters will prophesy your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams in those days I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike and they will prophesy and I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below blood and fire and clouds of smoke the sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arise but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved wow see the boldness in Peter 
the scriptures coming to his mind immediately? First of all, you see here, Peter preached relevantly. In verse 12 and 13, you can see that. They were understand. They were saying, where's all these different languages coming from? Um, verse 13, they must be drunk. They were saying, they couldn't understand why people were speaking in unknown languages. And Peter addresses them from where they were at, exactly the point of the questioning. And he says, these people aren't drunk, as you suppose. It's far too early in the morning for that. Um, and then he starts to pro- prophesy to them from the Old Testament scriptures there, from the prophet Joel. So he was relevant. He started where the people were at, answering the question they were asking. Peter also preached Jesus. You can see that in verse 22 to 31. I'm not going to read it all through there. You can read it through yourself in your own time. But he covers the main points of Jesus. His miracles and his signs and his wonders. In verse 22, his crucifixion. The main space is given to his resurrection, ascension and exaltation. So he really preaches this powerful message. And it's all centred around the Lord Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? I mean the Holy Spirit's working. He's always working to preach the message of Jesus. Because it's him that is our Saviour and Lord. And uh, there he goes. He just boldly proclaims all of this with the Holy Spirit's power. Thirdly there, Peter preached as a witness. He was a witness to the, the resurrection, personal witness to it. Jesus had a, appeared to him. So how, how much better than somebody to stand up and testify to you that's been a witness to the resurrection? Actually seen it with his own eyes, seen Jesus, seen him on the shore, had breakfast with him, risen, glorified. It must have been really powerful. I wish I'd been there, do you know that? It must have been about the best time to be alive. <laughs> the day of Pentecost. And just, you would have been able to tell from the way he was talking, he believed at 100% the boldness of the Holy Spirit, a witness of the resurrection, a witness to the filling of the Holy Spirit. Verse 33. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit brought a response. Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 37 to 39. I'll read that one. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. So it brought about a response. The Holy Spirit spoke to these people here. And then they were asking, what shall we do about this? What are we going to do about this message? You've told us about Jesus. He's raised from the dead. He died for our sins. He's the Lord of all the universe. He is the Messiah. This was the message to the Jews. They're waiting on the Messiah coming, the Saviour. They didn't even recognise it was Jesus. They nailed him to a cross. And they crucified him. And here's Peter saying, you've just nailed your Lord and Saviour and Messiah to the cross. And you need to now believe in him. You need to now repent. And the power of the Holy Spirit's moving in this as Peter's speaking. And they're saying, what shall we do? What should we do about this? So first of all, it was a response and conversion. People had to turn, had to believe this message. It's not enough just to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying, to hear the message. You've got to actually take it in. And of course, the Holy Spirit is working on individuals' hearts that aren't believers. There's people watching and listening to the message. is working in their hearts. But they've got to, they've got to actually 
have a response in there. They've got to say, yes, Lord, I believe in the Lord Jesus. I want to turn from my sins. I'm going to believe in you. Also, we see there that barriers are broken down. Uh, Verse 17. Um, it says in the last days God says I will pour out my spirit upon all people your sons and daughters will prophesy for your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams in verse 39 this promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles all have been called by the name of the Lord our God so you see the barriers of sex have been broken down by the Holy Spirit between men and women. It's saying there's no discrimination. When the Holy Spirit comes, men and women alike will receive it. And there'll be these responses that will happen there in the, the scriptures quoted from the prophet Joel. Wonderful, isn't it? Barriers broken down. Even between young and old. The promise that the Holy Spirit will work in the future generations. We are here now and we are a future generation. And we're here on the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit is working today. He's working in the church. He's working in the hearts of the believers. Passed on from generation to your children's children. Wonderful. Barriers broken down. So we've had the Holy Spirit created an interest. The Holy Spirit raised up a preacher. The Holy Spirit brought a response. Fourthly, the Holy Spirit created a community. And really in this, in this situation what we're talking about is the church. The establishment of God's church. You know, church is community. There isn't really, I think the words are probably, should be the same. Because if a church isn't a community, it's not really a church, isn't it not? You love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. These are the two greatest commandments and all the rest come out of these. And if the church isn't a community, it's not a church. So what are different aspects that come out of Acts 2 about the church that gets established? We start to see the very first glimpses here of the Holy Spirit establishing a community of believers. Um, First of all, there's a learning church. Verse 42 Just to 41, just for encouragement, because let's see how many responded first. Those who believed what Peter said were baptised and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. That was Sunday, wasn't it? 3,000 in all responded to the message. The power of God's Spirit. And you know you can do that today, if we believe in Him. And if we're right with the Lord and trusting in His Holy Spirit's power. 3,000 in a day. For 42... All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So they were a learning church. You notice they were all meeting together. But there was a focus to the meeting together. It wasn't a nameless meeting. It wasn't a pointless meeting. There was a meeting with the apostles' teaching, the presentation of the scriptures, the preaching of the scriptures for the building of God's church. And any church that we are part of should be centred on the preaching of the word of God. A learning church. A growing church. We learn new things every day, don't we? Nobody could ever master every aspect of the Bible and have perfect knowledge. And there's always different ways you can look at things and different ways the Holy Spirit will reveal a scripture to you. It's great to be learning. Because the more you learn, the more happy you become because you realise all of this plan of the scripture was all for even me. And that... um, the God of creation was concerned about me enough 
but he would, he would write all this word and all this history even if it was just for me because he loves me and he gave himself for me and it's marvellous a learning church secondly a loving church a loving church verse 44 to 46 and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had they sold their property and possessions and shared the money they had with those in need they worshipped together at the temple each day met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity what a picture do you know I just love that picture of the, the early church they all met together there was a unity they were in one place they were united they shared everything they had they were willing to give to each other they were willing to share their resources with each other that could be just helping someone out it could be financial it could be giving somebody something that you don't need that they could be doing with You know, it could be in any way but there's an openness there there's a sharing what I have not just my own it says they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need you know there's nothing wrong with having possessions and God can bless us with having a, a nice house and things that we need to look after our family and, and to use it for God's glory there's nothing wrong with that we should always be giving generously and always realise that we, we're not building our life on the things that we own because it all belongs to the Lord and um, he expects us to use that resource that we have if he's blessed us with money he expects us to look for opportunities and pray about opportunities as to where we can give it to God's kingdom where is it that God's moving I mean Alex has been talking about the purpose driven church and I'm excited to be part of New Beginnings because we've got a purpose we have a point for being here in Middlesbrough. we're not here to hold services and go around in circles we're here to reach the community we're here because God's church is a community and we're here because God loves Middlesbrough. and uh, the coffee house has a point it has a point it's trying to share our lives share God's church in the community become the community let the community come in find out what it's all about just like the Pentecost situation where conversations will happen and people talking here from the church will have chats with folks in the coffee shop and they'll go how are they speaking so relevantly to me how am I understanding this so clearly what is it about these people where's this gifting coming from are they nuts but then they'll quickly find out well no they're not they're in love with the Lord and the Lord must be real because this stuff's working and there's a boldness in these people that defies explanation. You know, these men that were talking like Peter were just ordinary people. Sometimes you might think to yourself, I can't be part of this community church that is breaking ground and reaching people. But you can, because these were all ordinary people who made mistakes all the time. But they loved the Lord. It was a loving church. A church that loved the Lord and loved each other. And you, know, you can make many mistakes, but love covers over a multitude of sins. And Jesus sees your heart. And as he looks around new beginnings today, he'll be challenging you. Do you love me? Do you love me? That's what he said to Peter. He wanted to know if he was real. And that's what God says to his church here. Do we love him? I love him. And only when you love him can you love others. They're connected. You can't not, if you don't love the Lord and if you're not submitting to the Lord, you can't love others. 
That's what you asked Peter first. Did you notice that? Ali talked about it a few weeks ago, and it's never went out of my mind since he covered it. When he called Peter, he asked him, do you love me first? And he asked him till Peter responded, and it really sunk in. And only after he says, I love you, Lord, the third time, did he say, feed my sheep. And to me, there may be various reasons for that, but in my own experience, the Lord would just take you deeper and just say, well, what are you prepared to let go of for me? How much do you love me? How much is, am I the centre of your life? Not those other things that you might concern yourself with. I have to be the most important thing. I have to be your number one. Do you really love me? And then after you get to that stage, connecting and loving with him, he empowers you to feed the sheep, to be part of his church, and we can all do it. And this is a good church where people are uh, working together, and you see the coffee house, and you see folks working in there, and uh, serving. And you know, the early church did a food program and uh, it ministered to the community. And uh, if you want to know the vision of the coffee house, it's a food program. It's quality. It's a safe place to be. It's somewhere that's a sanctuary from this this place that's just a bunch of bad news. But even the Kirky Herald picked up the coffee house as a good news story. Amen? Mm-hmm. Something good happening. When you turn over your paper and there's nothing good happening apart from, oh, there's a coffee house there. And there's maybe somewhere I can go that's not a lot of rubbish. (laughs) There's a purpose in it. There's a purpose in it. Share Christ's love in a food programme. In a safe place. A place for the community. A place for our Lord Jesus. And I even like the fact we do it every day in the coffee house. Because I think it's closer to the early church than standard church services and I'm not knocking any churches a lot of churches do an awful lot of good things but in my mind the coffee house is the closest thing I've seen to an opportunity to, to, to minister on a daily basis to our modern world because we live in a modern world that's busy people go to work, they commute back and forth we need to find new ways to connect on a daily basis and I've seen it already I've seen folks coming in from the community, God's working in their lives you can see them coming in, they're quite happy being there, they're talking to folks, Alex has been talking to people and uh, be encouraged just by doing that I just think it's a very very close example of, of this fellowship and working together, meeting with the community on a daily basis Thirdly, uh, this this community the Holy Spirit was creating was a worshipping church. Verse 46 to 47. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and uh, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. They worship together at the temple and that's what we're doing here today. We're worshipping the Lord and there's a place and it's a wonderful thing to do to take time to come together and to worship the Lord, to pray, to sing songs of worship, to even the scriptures, the preaching of his word is worship as we meet together here today. It's all worship. And they met in their homes for the Lord's Supper. And you see there also the importance of the Lord's Supper. We had a really nice time with the guys there this morning. We shared in the Lord's Supper. And it was just great. Guys from different churches. And it, um, 
you know, when the Lord gave us the, the communion, he gave us this opportunity to come together as believers and to focus on him and remember him until he comes back, because you know he's coming back. The Holy Spirit's here for a time, but the Lord Jesus is coming back, and he's going to wrap up this whole thing, and he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth, and we're going to receive those glorious new bodies that he's promised us, and have the perfection of the work of the Lord Jesus in us, where sin will be once and forever done away with in this world, and there'll be no more evil. That'll be a brilliant day. But we're worshipping while we wait. But we're not just waiting in a passive way, we're waiting in an active. We're waiting on the Lord for Him coming, but we're acting. We're acting in worship, we're teaching in the church, we're loving, we're worshipping. Uh, fourthly, an evangelistic church, a church that's active again. What were they doing? Each day, the Lord added to the fellowship, those who were being saved, there was an expectation, people were coming into the church. They were doing things, they were meeting in the community, uh, and the Lord was blessing it. And that's our prayer here for new beginnings. That on a daily basis the Lord will bless us with being able to have people added to the fellowship. Whether it's this one here, or whether it's the Middlesbrough Church of Scotland, or the Christ one down the road, or Kirkie, doesn't matter. Because God's church is one church, isn't it? There was no um, divisions here in Acts chapter 2. Any divisions that have been put in are man-made divisions that are there nowadays. And that's why it's good to pray like we did today. United is one church, because that's what it is. So if they go elsewhere, that's great. We want to see people added to the fellowship of those that have been saved. Praise God. An evangelistic church. So, just in summary, it's a close here. The Holy Spirit, when he came, created an interest. When the Holy Spirit came, he raised up a preacher. When the Holy Spirit came, he brought a response. And when the Holy Spirit came, he created a community. And the result? A church. A church is the result. A purpose-driven church. A learning church. A loving church. A worshipping church. An evangelistic church. Praise God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord God, for the provision you've made for us. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for his perfect life. Thank you that he displayed your love. He displayed your love on this earth. And that he loves each one of us. Thank you, Father, that he went to the cross. And he loved us so much. He died for us, paid the price for our sins. And has risen again. You've raised him, Father, because of what he did to the highest place. And he's seated in the heavenly realms next to you. But Father, we also thank you that the Holy Spirit was sent. We thank you, Father, for God the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you work in our lives. We thank you that you take imperfect people and you work a work of renewal in it and a life. I thank you, Lord, that you work in our lives to help us love the Lord and to go deeper in that love. We thank you, Lord, that you create an interest, that you raise up preachers to teach us and to instruct us and to bring us on and help us know your word. We thank you that you, for those of us that have responded already, that you brought a response in our life. We thank you, Lord, for the day your Holy Spirit challenged us in whatever situation we were in, that we said yes to our Lord Jesus and we believed in him. 
And I pray, Lord, today if there's any here who aren't sure that they've responded uh, to the Holy Spirit's call in their life to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that today they would come to you and say, Yes, Lord, I believe this message is true. I know I'm a failure. I know I don't measure up, but I know that you love me and that you want me to believe in the Lord Jesus as my Saviour and you want me to turn from my sins and you want me to live for you and that you promise if I do these things, if I believe you'll give me your Holy Spirit that will empower me to live for you and give me a joy and a peace that passes understanding and an ability to connect and love to fellow believers and to reach the community. If you're in that situation you're not sure, just pray quietly in your heart asking the Lord Jesus to come into your life. Speak to me afterwards if you've done that. You know, it's the most serious decision in your life and you've got to, you've got to accept the Lord Jesus. You've got to receive the Holy Spirit. And if you're a Christian today like myself, just challenge you just to afresh come and just ask God to reveal anything that might be just holding you back. If there's anything in your life that's just clouding your relationship with the Lord Jesus. And just as he says the words, I love you, do you love me? As he asks that question, just remember it's a gentle question and that he, he really does love you. Um, but if there's anything you've failed the Lord on or any difficulty you have, just bring it quietly before the Lord just now and just ask the Lord to forgive you for that sin. Cleanse you from it. He promises if we ask forgiveness for our sins, he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In Christ Jesus, he cleans us. And uh, then he says to you, Christian, he says, feed my sheep. And he says, be part of the church. Love me and love your neighbour. And love the community. And share your life with people. And uh, just watch what I'm going to do. Father God, we pray for this church in new beginnings. We pray you would uh, add folks to the fellowship of those that are being saved. Father God, we pray for the folks in Moody'sburn. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work in people's hearts, preparing them to be saved. That they would come into the coffee house and as they just observe the believers there from the church here and from other churches, that they would see you in them. That they would listen to your message and receive, receive that message, Lord. And uh, Lord, we just pray you build your church. We thank you you promised to do that. We thank you for your message of encouragement to us today. In Jesus' name, Amen.